We're going to begin today by reading in Romans 6. We're going to read from verse 16 down through verse 23 today and cover some of the verses that we really didn't hit on too much and we're going to review some. And and I know I know this and I know you've noticed as we've gone through the, the book of Romans up to this point, Paul repeats some of his truths over and over and over again. Sometimes even in what we know as a single chapter, he will say it maybe at the beginning, he'll say the same thing in the middle, he'll say the same thing at the end. He's 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 driving these points home. And so we want to do as best we can in obedience to the Lord to to preach the word this morning and uh, let him speak. So let's read uh, Romans 6 16 through 23, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness." What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word, and, and even now, Father, I pray that you would pour your spirit out upon us. Lord, help me that I would be faithful to your word. Help me to speak truth in love, Lord, and, and speak your word that you have for every individual that's here or may be listening to this sermon at a later time. Lord, move within their hearts. I pray, Father, that if they are without Christ, that, Lord, you would perform a miracle of restoration, of regeneration, of, of bringing them to life. Open their eyes that they might see. Bring them to life in Christ. Grant them faith to believe and grant them repentance as they would cry out confessing their sins to you. So Father, help us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we have looked a lot. I know. We've, we've looked a lot at, at this biblical truth of that everyone on the face of this planet is a slave. We've talked about that over and over again. Paul has talked about it over and over again. You are either a slave of sin leading to death, or you're, you're, uh, you're a slave of righteousness leading to eternal life. Everyone is serving one of two masters. Either sin is your master, or the Lord is your master. And we, we remember... What Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. There's only two. There's only two. Now, let's look at just verse 16 in Romans 6. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So the question would be, who do I obey? question for you to honestly ask yourself is, who do you obey? And we looked at obedience a few weeks ago. And Paul says that every true born-again believer has obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which we have been delivered. God has taken out the dead heart of stone. We talked about that a lot in a sermon probably a month ago. He's taken out that dead heart of stone and has placed within us a new living spiritual heart. We were all once dead in trespasses and sins. Our heart was dead. We had no response to anything spiritual because we couldn't. 
And it was God in His mercy and grace that took out the heart of stone and placed within us a new spiritual heart. That's a work of grace and mercy and regeneration. That's God. We were all once dead in trespasses and sins, but thanks be to God, He has drawn us to Himself. He has called us through the cross of Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, who gave Himself a ransom, the payment for the sins of all, all who would believe. Everyone who would believe. In faith, believing, God turns no one away who comes to Him in faith because He is the one who gives the faith. By grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. He's the one that gives us the faith to which we can believe. Jesus giving Himself a perfect sacrificial lamb whose blood paid in full the sin debt for all who believe. Having believed, having obeyed from the heart, we will, if we're truly born again, we will continue to obey. We will continue to believe. We are no longer bound to sin. We are no longer a slave of sin. Let's go now, uh, verse 17 through 19, just let's look at those. But God, be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness and I think the implication here, which will lead to more holiness. Just as, just as we sinned and sinned and sinned before, and it led to more and more and more depths of lawlessness, now present yourself to God and the holiness, which will lead to more and more and more holiness, sanctification, that, that progressive being made more and more into the likeness of Christ. Maturing in our faith. And as we progress, and as we keep looking to Him, we will grow. Will we not? Yes. Yes. Yes, we will. And He said, and we hadn't addressed this, uh, I speak in human terms. Well, well, Paul, that's, that's the only terms you can speak. Because you are human. You, you understand? But here's what He's saying. He's saying, when he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, I believe what Paul is saying is he's using an analogy that everybody of the day knew about slavery. It's not a perfect analogy. There's a lot of things to slavery that, that we can't say is a part of our relationship with God. So it's not perfect. He says, I'm just doing this to try to help you understand. And Paul doesn't use illustrations or analogies very often. Have you ever noticed that? Very seldom. And this is the one time, and it's, it's almost like he's apologetic in, in doing so. Well, I speak to you in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Here, Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he gave this explanation. He says, now Paul says, in effect, I put in terms of this analogy of slavery, of a man being a slave of one master. Now listen, now listen. And then another coming and buying him, and delivering him from his former master, and making him his own slave. Uh, I kind of messed that up when I read it, but I hope you got that. Did you get that? Because here you have a picture. There's only two masters, sin and righteousness. There's only two, and we were all bound to sin, all born into sin. We were all over in that camp. That was us. And here... Here, Lloyd Jones put it this way, but but here, here, here comes another, because we were all there and being held, and here comes another, and buying him. That was me. That was you, child of God, and delivering him, redeeming him. That's what that means: redemption, redeeming, purchasing, delivering him from his former master and making him his own. Child of God, that's what has happened to us who are born again. We have been made 
His own, the Lord. We have been bought. We have been purchased. A transfer of ownership has taken place. Praise His holy name. When Paul says, having been set free from sin, having been set, child of God, you have been set free from sin. Piper, I'm going to be reading quotes from Sarah. I read a lot of people this week and and a lot of good stuff that that the Lord has inspired on people. I love reading and listening to John Piper's sermon. He has such a way with with language and with words. And, And this is Piper, quote, Notice, ultimately, we don't free ourselves. Agreed? <laughs> we can't. We can't free ourselves. We have been freed. And ultimately, we don't make ourselves slaves of God. We have been enslaved to God. Behind these verbs is the work of God. This is what happens under grace. When Christ is our righteousness by faith, the grace of God enters us mightily and breaks the power of sin and transforms us in the renewing of our minds and writes the law upon our hearts and gives us a new spirit and inclines us to the Word of God and causes us to see the beauty of Christ and His ways as the treasure of our lives. That's what what God has done for us. And, and, and I like how John is always using that word treasure. That word treasure. I, I love that. And then I could ask myself, well, well, truly, what is the treasure of my heart? And you could ask yourself, what is, what is your treasure? Because we know what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't we? For where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be also. So what is our treasure? What's the treasure of our heart this morning? Let me continue with with John's quote. Becoming a Christian is not like standing neutral between two possible slave masters and having the power of ultimate self-determination and then deciding which we will serve. That's not how we start out. We don't start out neutral. You see what he's saying? We start out, as I said earlier, in this camp of sin, everyone born on the face of this planet, save Jesus Christ, born into sin. So we're not neutral and then deciding which way we're going to go. We are here in sin. There are no neutral people. And I would say, Amen, John. There are only slaves of sin and slaves of God. Becoming a Christian is to have the sovereign... Now <laughs> listen to this. This is wording of Piper. Listen, listen. Becoming a Christian is to have the sovereign captain of the battleship of righteousness commandeer the slave ship of unrighteousness. Put that ship's captain, sin, in irons. Break the chains of the slaves and give them such a spiritual side of grace and glory that they freely serve the new sovereign forever as the irresistible joy and treasure of their lives. That's how we got saved. God freed us from one master and enslaved us to himself by the compelling power of a superior promise, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So embrace this work of God. Receive Christ and his promise as the treasure of your life. End quote. I hope you thought that was as good as I did when I read that. Receive Christ as the treasure of your life. Make Christ the treasure of your life. Now let's go back and let's pick up now Romans 6. Let's get uh, verses 20 through 22. Just put those up. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Let me pause there. In other words, when we were slaves of sin, righteousness had no hold on us. In, in, In that sense, we were free in regard to righteousness. We had no desire for righteousness, nor did we have the ability to meet its requirements. See, we were controlled and ruled by sin, the master who had us bound. So do you see what he's saying? You were free in regard to righteousness. Now let's keep going. 
verse 21 here, what, what fruit did you have then in the things in which you are now ashamed? Now, I'm going to pause there for just this. Well, let me go ahead. For the end of those things is death. Child of God, if, if you got to live a few years and had a few years under your belt living in sin before you came to Christ, do you look back on some of those years and go, oh my, how, how could I have done such things? Oh my, what those things, I can't believe the things I did. And, and now even thinking about it, you get kind of ashamed of even thinking about those things you did. But thanks be to God, He takes away our guilt and shame, doesn't He? That, because if you ever have that feeling, just know that's all you could do. You were bound in sin at those times. That, that's all you knew how to do. You were free in regard to righteousness. There was no righteousness in you. So how could you have done any better? But then Christ came. <laughs> Aren't you thankful? But then He came. So what was the fruit that you had back when you were in sin? Death. Death. The, the only outcome, the only fruit of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Death. And, and, and this is not physical death. This is spiritual death. This is separation from God. This is eternal torment in hell. This is not uh, obliteration and you're just gone. No. You will face that punishment over and over and over again in the depths of hell with all unbelievers. Now verse 22, But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. You have your fruit to holiness. Chase, I think I've got that verse 22 in the ESV. Just put it up for me. Because here when you read it, the, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. So, so what you have is you have, and again, I am no Greek scholar. All I get is from what I can read from others and going to the Greek dictionaries. Holiness, sanctification, hagiosmos in the Greek. Uh, meaning having been set apart for the purposes of God. Whether, you, whether it's sanctification or holiness, that's in regard to, to here, I think it's ten times used in the New Testament, it's talking about holiness, our sanctification. In, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. What, what's the vessel? What's this talking about? Talking about our bodies, our mortal bodies. That's the vessel. This is the vessel of the Holy Spirit. Know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, in holiness and honor, not in passion and lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. A true born-again believer, how can we live and act like we don't even know God? I want you to look at this. Look at that. That each one of you should know. This is talking to the individual. This is talking to me. This is talking to you. Paul is saying, every one of you should know. Because we have written, we have the Word of God, you should know. How to possess your body, this vessel of the Holy Spirit, in sanctification and holiness and honor. Well, how do I know? <laughs> Read the Bible. But what was the lyric of that old hymn? Taught by the Bible, led by the Spirit. That, that's it. Well, how do I know? will be taught by the Bible and be led by the Spirit, and you will know. Is there any excuse for a child of God not to know? Now, I know in regard to someone who is new to faith, they're not going to know everything. They have got to be taught. 
they have got to be discipled. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. See, the result of living in slavery to sin is death. But in contrast, having been set free from sin and enslaved to God, resulting in bearing the fruit of holiness, sanctification, which ends in eternal life with God. See, the born again are justified by grace through faith. Amen? We, this is, we've, we've taught and we've learned as we're going through the, this book of Romans, and, and, and this is a gift of God. Righteousness is our, our, our justification is our righteous standing with God because of the righteousness of Christ. Remember, we've talked often about the imputed righteousness of Christ. Our sin was imputed to Him upon the cross. He bore our sins upon the cross, and in return... For those who have believed, we receive the righteousness of Christ. That great exchange that we've talked about often. So what is the fruit of holiness? Or what is sanctification? What, what is this talking about? If justification is our right standing with God, here, here's what I've come up with, or, or what I've read and what I've written down. Sanctification is the practical, progressive, outworking in the life of one who has been justified. Am I okay with that? Here, let me read it again. Sanctification, or this progression of holiness, is the practical, progressive outworking in the life of one who has been justified. Our holy living bears evidence that our faith is real. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, verses 30. And 31. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> How did we become in Christ? Because of God. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That as it is written, He who glories, let Him glory in the Lord. Glory in the Lord because... We have been justified. Glory in the Lord because we are being sanctified. Glory in the Lord because we have redemption and will one day be glorified. Glory in the Lord. Second uh, Peter, first chapter. We're going to read a pretty good portion here. Fight the good fight of faith and stay with me as we read through the Word of God. First or Second Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter. Second Peter one verses two through ten. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us who's the us? It's been given to us. Whatever this has been given to us, who's the us? This is the elect of God. In, in the, uh, the the first Peter written to the the elect of God, those who were elected by God, called by God, and so this is them. But peace and grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let me pause there. Do you believe that, child of God? Do you believe that? He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, I don't know, I don't know. Read the Word. He's given us all things. He's given us the Holy Spirit that's within us. He has given us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Well, I don't know those promises. Read the Word. Have I got a theme? Have I got a point that I'm trying to make? Has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, these great and precious promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature of holiness, of sanctification, you see, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
In other words, sin from where we have been taken from. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. There's some work involved here, isn't there? If I'm going to be diligent as doing this, that's, that's going to take some work, it seems to me, like what he's saying. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will, need, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a promise. For he who lacks these things, well, I don't know. He who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has cleansed, he was cleansed from his old sins. Uh, are you living a life like you have forgotten what you have been cleansed from? Am I? You, you see, you see that. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. He's already asked us to be diligent. Now what's he saying? Be more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never, say it with me, stumble. Do you believe that? I guess I have to because it's right there. I'm looking right at it. Let's go to chapter 3 in 2 Peter, verses 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, beloved of God, <laughs> you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. See, what's he? He's taking what he. Be diligent, be diligent, be steadfast. Now over here, and I said, beware. Beware lest you get lax. Beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Sin. But what are we to do? Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's what we, every child of God is called to do. Well, how am I going to do that? <laughs> What's the answer? Read the Word. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's remind ourselves of what Paul said in Romans 6, verses 12 and 13. Let's read that. Therefore... Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And, and, and you'll remember as we went through this, probably spent a couple of weeks or more talking about this very thing, the members that it's talking about, remember what that is? That's your hands, that's your feet, that's your eyes, that's your mouth, that, that's the the parts of, the, of your mortal body. So therefore, in light of who you are and in light of what you know, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its love. It's, it's, a lust. It, it's an admonition from Paul. Do not let sin reign. An exhortation. So, so it comes down to this. Will I, will we choose to sin or will we choose not to sin? Because I'm convinced of this, and I guess we could have a talk about this later if you want to, that, that all sin is pretty much premeditated. And we, we could talk about that, I guess. I, I guess perhaps we could be caught off guard in a moment's notice of something that, that just happens quickly and and perhaps there's, there's a, a, just a, a, a reflex of something that would boil up in us, so I, I suppose that could be happened. But, 
But for the most part, I would say this, that most of our sin is premeditated. We have enough time that we can stop and think about it if we would. We have enough time that we could stop and take thoughts captive. We've talked about this so often. If we would. But we don't. We choose not to. Uh, John MacArthur, uh, this quote that I know I read for several weeks in a row, he said this, Sin has no power to control a believer unless the believer chooses to obey its lust. True? Sin has no power over you. None. Unless you choose to obey its lust. You ever choose to obey its lust? Yeah, you do. Do I? Yeah, I do. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. See, lust and sinful desires stemming from this mortal body, our minds, our imaginations. Paul said this of his body in 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, let's, let's read this again. I know we've read this uh, weeks ago, but it's been a while. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Obtain the prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, temperate in all things. The ESV says every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we... For an imperishable crown. You see the, the one in the, in the Olympics or whatever, and they run the race. They're running it to win gold, silver, bronze. They're running it to win. Have they prepared before that race? Oh, for years. You know, if it's the Olympics, it's every four years. They have prepared for years to run this race. For, an, for a perishable crown. But we, child of God, are running for an imperishable crown. Crown of life. Therefore, Paul says, I run thus. Not with uncertainty. ESV says, so I do not run aimlessly. You'll remember what Paul said in Philippians 3. I, I didn't put that up there. Where Paul said, you know this verse. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the goal. I don't run aimlessly. I press toward the mark, toward the goal, you see. Let's, go, let's keep going. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight, not as one who beats the air. Picture the boxer, and he's shadow boxing. Not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Let's pause here for a minute. Talking of his physical body, this mortal body, bring it into subjection, bring it under control. He is exhibiting self-control. Isn't self-control one of the fruit of the Spirit? Yes. Yes. The, the Greek, bring my body into subjection. And I thought this was good. Uh, that Greek word for subjection is doulagiago. It is from the same Greek word as doulos, from which we know means slave. Paul is saying, I make my body my slave. Do you see that? I make my body my slave to serve me in my mission of serving Christ. Uh, MacArthur, let me read another MacArthur quote. Quote, most people, including many Christians, are instead slaves to their bodies. And, and, and instead of making their bodies their slave, their slave is their body. Their bodies tell their mind what to do. Their bodies decide when to eat, what to eat, how much to eat, when to sleep, and get up, and so on. The athlete cannot allow that. He follows the training rules, not his body. 
He runs when he would rather be resting. He eats a balanced meal when he would rather have a chocolate sundae. He goes to bed when he would rather stay up. And he gets up early to train when he would rather stay in bed. An athlete leads his body. He does not follow it. It is his slave, not the other way around. That's good, isn't it? End quote. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I, find I myself should be disqualified. And, and there, we, we've talked about this, you know, he's not saying I lose my salvation, but he could be disqualified from service if he falls into certain sin. Certain men falls into certain sins. They disqualify themselves, I believe, the Word of God says, from preaching. There's a lot of things that we can get disqualified from according to the Word of God because we fall into sin. I discipline my body. Do we do that? Do I do that? Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Let me pause there. That's Romans 12. And he's going to be talking along these lines as he already has been, and he is now in chapter 6, and he's still talking about it in chapter 12. Is this important? Yes, it is. And he goes on to say, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, that you may display the fruit of holiness and righteousness and sanctification. May we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. May we not present our members to be used as instruments of unrighteousness. Don't make the members of our body available to sin. Well, how do we do that? What's the key? Well, he said there, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God. The key, present yourself to to God, keep presenting yourself to God, continually coming before God. Well, how do I do these things? How do I do these? All these things you're talking about, you're just making me feel bad, and this is not helping me at all. How do I do these things? You submit yourself to God and His Word, and you pray, and you read His Word, and you say, Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. Lord, give me wisdom and discernment from Your Word. Lord, help me make the members of my body instruments of righteousness for You. You see, every day may we come before Him in prayer, equip me, Lord, and use me. Lord, let my strength be in You and from You and You alone. Lord, let me stand in Your power. See, we, we, we stand not in our own power and strength. You understand that, right? It's not pulling yourself self up by your own bootstraps and do this, do it on your own. No, it's His power and His might. So are we submitting to God? Am I, are we progressing in holiness? Are we progressing in this daily fight against sin? Child of God, don't be deceived. We are in a daily battle with sin. Do you, do you understand that? with the lust of the flesh, with this mortal body, with our minds, our thinking. So may we stay alert. May we stay vigilant. Let, let's read Romans 13. Romans 13, 11 through 14. And do this. Child of God, do this. Okay, now we're all listening. Here's what we're to do. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Verse 12. 
chapter 13. Is he still talking about it? Yeah. Is this important? Oh, yeah. Let's do this. Let's go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. And let's be challenged all the more. Here, let's, <laughs> let's just take it all in today. <laughs> 1 Timothy 4, we're going to read verse 6 through 16. Because really, we're going to focus in on one verse. Well, why are you reading all those verses in? Because they all talk about the things here we are talking about. Let us be reminded of what the Word of God says. Verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these ways. Now, I'm all here. I didn't get started very far, did I? Let me pause here for a second. This is Paul writing to Timothy to encourage him and to exhort him in what he should be doing. Okay? If you instruct the brethren, so, so this is Paul is saying, Timothy, you instruct those that are in your care. Instruct... If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables. Now listen to this. And exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially to those who believe. Savior of all men. Wait a minute. Don't get hung up on that all men. You know, especially those who believe. Did you know that God is good to all men? Do you know that God lets the rain fall on the good and the evil? you know that God is good just because He doesn't send down fire to consume the wicked? He is good to all men. So don't, don't, get, don't get turned sideways because of that. Especially to those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth. Timothy was a young man. Don't, let no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Is that a good word for all of us? Yes, it is. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Is that a good word for all of us? Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. <laughs> so we're talking about sanctification, progressing in holiness. We want this progression to be evident to those around us, don't we? I hope we do. Take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Now, Paul would say, you can't save anybody. He, and, and Paul has taught that, so don't get hung up on that either. But he's out there preaching the Word, preaching the Word, throwing seed, throwing seed. That, that part that just stands out to me, exercise yourself toward godliness yeah yes physical exercise is good it, it, we're just, i believe we're to be good stewards with our bodies to take care of them as, as best we can but of a greater value than this is to exercise yourself toward godliness here's another call to action a call to obedience to the word and the will of god exercise yourself no one can do this for you you know that, right? No one can do this for you. Let's take the example in the, in the physical, in the physical exercise. If you're going to physically train and exercise, it's got to be you doing it. It's got to be you doing the running, the walking, the stretching, the lifting of weights. It's got to be you. Yes, you get instruction. 
so you do it properly so you don't hurt yourself. Yes, you can get trainers. Yes, you can get teachers. Yes, you can read books on the proper way to do things, but you can't have someone else train for you and exercise for you, can you? No, that's not how it works. Exercise yourself toward godliness. See, see this is reminiscent of what Paul uh, told the Philippians in Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, you know these words, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Work out what God has placed in you. You do that. Paul would echo all these same words in 2 Timothy 2, verses 15 and 16. This is the last letter that Paul wrote before he was killed. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Wow. Present yourselves. We are called to do this, to present ourselves. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. It's your reasonable service. Every born-again believer has been called to action, to do. Exercise yourself toward godliness. Be diligent. Be all the more diligent to present yourself approved to God. See, my prayer is that the reminder of this word may shake us, may cause a stir of the Holy Spirit within us. We sang that old hymn this morning, Awake my soul and sing. You say, we need to be awakened sometime. That we might have a, a personal call to action. That we may have a personal revival. People talk about revival, revival, revival. Well, where does revival start? In us. In us. In an individual. You want, you want revival, then... Submit yourself to God. Do these things that, that we've been talking about and reading this morning. Be diligent. A call to commit to exercising ourselves to godliness, to train ourselves, to exercise ourselves, to pray, to read the Word, to study, to ask questions, to take notes, to train yourself toward godliness. Another quote. Alistair Begg. Now listen to this. So, so I'll let some of these other guys say this so I don't have to. It's not me, it's them. That's a good way to do this, isn't it, Kevin? Here's Alistair. Nobody's going to spoon feed it to you. Nobody's going to make it happen for you. There is no magical program. There is no spiritual ab roller out there that turns you into some spiritual genius within a week and a half. There are no special pills, nothing. I'll tell you what it is. It is a painstaking commitment to saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. It is exercising yourself to godliness. There is no other way to spiritual fitness by God's enabling? Yes. By the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes. According to the truth of God's Word? Yes. But He implores that we obey His will, His Word, as we persevere in righteousness. End quote. And that's it. We're to be growing and maturing in our faith. Not to be a perpetual baby Christian. You know what I'm talking about. But we would be maturing. See, I, I think that's what God has called this church to be. Where, where I don't have to stand up here Sunday after Sunday and after Sunday and, and, and dribble out little little bit of milk to just a bunch of nothing but baby Christians. 
Just a bunch of fluff and the, the things to, to try to, come on, come on, come on. But that we can get into the meat of God's Word. That we can study and get to the root of these things. Yes, we want to bring the baby Christians along. Yes, we want them to learn. But we all want to be maturing and growing and growing. Not to just be on the milk of the Word. You know where I'm going. Let's, let's go 1 Corinthians 3, first three verses. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. You see, this has been some time since he's been with these people. Okay, you were baby Christians when I was here. Now I've been gone a while. Now I've come back and you're still a baby. What's going on? For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are not carnal. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Who am I behaving as? Who are you behaving as? As, as the world, as, as sinful people. See, here's a people that is not progressing in holiness. They're acting like children. You get that? You get, you get a bunch of Christians, they're baby Christians, and they're acting like babies. Just like having a bunch of toddlers out there sometimes. Am I right? They're not maturing and their Christian walk. Why? No diligence. Being kind of rough on us today, preacher. This word was rough on me. Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. Is this, this the same word? Same word that's found throughout Scripture? For, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. How long have you been a Christian? Are you still a babe? Well, here's what Paul would say to you. The solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, listen, listen to this, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Man, that's a good word. For those who by reason of use it's daily walking as we should according to the Word of God, daily use, and, and we have our senses exercised so that we might discern both good and evil. Remember what, what, what Alistair said? To, to, to say yes to the, the right things and no to the wrong things. We must exercise ourselves to godliness to be able to do that. That we would be making progress in our spiritual walk and conduct and that it would be evident to all. Because let me tell you this, it's evident. You know what I'm saying? It's evident whether good or bad, it's evident. Remember what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, Do not despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. That's a good word right there. An example in word, what I say, in conduct, what I do. May we have a loving heart, walking in the Spirit, holding on to faith and purity. 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 
I'm going to close this out with a Lloyd-Jones quote. Lloyd-Jones preached two sermons on verse 19, Romans 6, 19. This is how he ended that second sermon. Quote, We are to put into practice what we claim to believe and live as we should as children of God. Now, now let me interject here because I would add the reminder, no one can do it for you. Present yourselves to God. You exercise. You exercise yourself to Godliness. Now let me continue. We are to grow in holiness. We are to remind ourselves of who and what we are. We are children of the heavenly King. Let me pause there. I, I think we forget that sometimes. Satan is a liar, and he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows himself we're children of the king. <laughs> we are children of the heavenly king. We are members of the household of God. It is only as we remember this and live according to that we shall be advancing in holiness. The blood has been shed for me. Therefore, with all I am and all I have, as I used to go in the old evil direction, now I must rise up and go in this holy direction. I must do it. But you ask, where do I get the power to do it? You have already received all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You do not need another experience. You do not need some new gift. You have been given everything in Christ. You are in Him from the beginning of your Christian life. Now listen. Listen as he, he closes out this pretty hard. For those that aren't doing this, you are just a slacker and a cad. Just lazy and indolent. Indeed a liar if you are not living this life. It's kind of rough. This is important. Awake, my soul. Not living this life, progressing in holiness. Let's all be honest with ourselves this morning. Can we do that? Are you listen to me? Can we all be honest with each other this morning? Have we become a slacker? Have we become lazy in regard to our prayer life or commitment to reading God's Word? Our resolve to stand and fight against sin in our life? Is that us? Is that me? Is that you? But be honest. If you say with just even a modicum of, yeah, that's been me, then what do you need to do? What do I need to do? Fall on my knees and pray and repent and call upon the Lord. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. So may we all examine ourselves in the light of who we are before most holy God, and in the life that we are truly living. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. We do. Because it challenges us. It convicts us. Writings of Paul and Peter challenging us to examine ourselves in light of who we are truly are and how we're living and what we're doing, what we're saying. Father, let everyone who has heard all of this this morning be very brutally honest with ourselves, engaging where we are in our walk of holiness. And let us not make excuses. There is no excuse. Your Word has says You have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertains to living this life here on this earth in these mortal bodies that we should. And of godliness and holiness and sanctification. You've given us everything we need in Your Word. So Father, I just pray, pour out Your Spirit upon us. Draw us all close to Yourself. Shine light into the dark places that would make very visible the sin 
that we have tucked away in a quiet, secret place that we think nobody can see and have forgotten that you see it all. So Father, help us sweep it all clean. As we confess our sin to you, as we look to you, to the truth of your word, and being led by the Spirit, and Lord, to exercise ourselves to godliness. Father, should there be someone who, who is yet lost, and, and perhaps you're using even a sermon such as this to open their eyes to the truth of where they are. And Lord, by your grace and mercy, show them the rescue that's in Jesus Christ. Show them, Lord, that there is forgiveness for sin in, in the sacrifice of Christ. Show them, Lord, as you would open their eyes to see and you would draw, begin drawing them to yourself that, that, they, that they don't have to stay with the master of sin that they are in, but they can turn to you as you would grant them faith to believe. So, Lord, as they would see you and they would see their sin, I pray that you would grant them forgiveness as they would fall before you confessing their sin, receiving Christ and, and following him for the rest of their days so lord help us all to follow christ the rest of our days help us to make a resolve today as that old hymn that we sang early to resolve this day to follow christ and it's in jesus name i pray amen